Well, good morning, everyone. I'm on. Wow, I actually put it on. Good for me. What's that? So far, I want to... So last week, I had an offer, and uh, is, is Kathy? Kathy? Oh, she's in the nursery. I need, I need, a, I need a favor. I need somebody to, 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 to step... No, no, you don't have to get her out. I have a gift for her. The Far Side Gallery. (laughs) That was of no value to our current generation, but was definitely of value to older folks who were going, yes, yes, yes. So I was trying to be nice. Oh, look, she actually got her out. Hi, Kathy. I brought you a present. Oh, you did? Yes, but there's only one rule. Anybody else who wants to read it, you've got to share it. and It comes back to you. Far Side. I thought you'd be in the room. I'm sorry. I didn't. (laughs) <laughs> Don't tell Bob, it's a secret. That was all. That was all. That was all our youth group's uh, fault for uh, doing bigger and better a couple of weeks ago, and they got out in the community and had some fun interaction. and And I understand at least one family came to visit, and we're so thrilled about that. So anyway, I thought I'd put that to good use because I have the library version of all of it. So. I can afford to give it away. So those of you who are visiting are saying, what are they doing here? Uh, Yeah, that's an inside story from last week. All right. Um, I'm going to ask uh, you to bear with me this morning. If you have your bulletin, take it out. And um, it's got an unusual set of notes. A long time ago, I used to uh, ask my congregation, you know, how many of you want to take a quiz this morning? Anybody want to take a quiz? See, yeah, no, yeah, that, no, that, that, I'm not convinced. You did not convince me. No, Pastor John. That's also an inside joke for you visitors. We have been uh, spending a lot of time, in fact, if you notice on the sheet, I actually mistakenly somehow left off the last, that was my fault, the last sermon I don't know if you remember the name, was Future Grace. So that was the 17th sermon in the series. That's been a long time that we've been spending on illustrating grace. And I don't think we'll ever exhaust the grace of God, the subject. How could you? It's the job of the church to every, through every generation to preach the glories of the grace of God and the fact that he has rescued us in a remarkable way. So... If you have that sheet in front of you from your bullet and you can follow along, we're going to do a little review today. And so I'll start with the very beginning. I had thought, what would be a good visual? This is a little uh, shepherd statue from the Vatican. You can find it uh, if you search on Google or whatever that stuff is on the interweb. That was a joke. Anyway, and uh, I thought it was a great picture for the subject of grace. In fact, we have a song, anybody remember, I think it's a Fanny Crosby hymn. Praise him, praise him, Jesus, my blessed redeemer. Right? And in in that, that hymn was a line that says, in his arms, he carries them all day long. In his arms. I thought that is a picture of God's care for us. He's the good shepherd. He carries his sheep. He cares for them. And uh, let me ask you something this morning. Do you know, I don't, I don't mean you look like that, but do you realize that 
that's you, right? I don't mean you're a sheep that way, like that, but that he's carrying you. Do you recognize that? That if you're in his family, if you belong to him, he's, he's supporting you and carrying you. In his arms, he carries you all day long. And a few weeks back, uh, uh, Dave Cloer, in his message, read that Footprints uh, poem, which is an ancient one, right? But there's truth in it that he carries us along. So I wanted to start with this whole uh, list, if I could. And uh, I thought about all the titles, so I, I hope those of you who are committed to harmony have memorized all my sermon titles. <laughs> I was thinking about that. I don't know that anybody really knows the name of too many sermons. Does anybody remember the name of too? That's just not normal, is it? I can think of one. You remember the series. Thank you. Okay. Well, I'll take that. Uh, Sinners in the hands of an angry God, right? That's one that almost everybody recognizes. If uh, you were raised through school and your teachers like to kind of make fun of the Puritans, they would use that sermon because Jonathan Edwards, before the Great Awakening, preached a sermon called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God which was not his normal preaching. He would preach about the love of God and the grace of God far more than he would preach about the anger or wrath of God, which is a reality that we don't like to look at. We like to remake God in our own image, you know? Like, oh, he's, he's a really nice senile grandpa. You know, he winks at every bad thing. You know, we just wrecked the kitchen. You know how your grandkids do things like that? They take all the stuff out of the cupboards and and we just oh isn't that precious you know we just don't have enough grandparents in the room all right you know what I mean but that that sermon which the name is famous uh, they tried to caricature caricature make a character caricature make a cartoon out of uh, that Jonathan Edwards was always preaching the wrath of God. That morning that he preached that, it was to a church congregation who suddenly had the Spirit of God fall on them. Their lights came on and they realized, we don't deserve to have any grace at all. And they repented and it was one of the first events of the Great Awakening that swept through the colonies before we were even a nation. So it's uh, misrepresented and it's unfortunate, but it is the one name that stands out. Most of my name, will, uh, my sermon titles, the names of my sermons will not probably outlast Jonathan Edwards' Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. But if one of them does, I'll be really happy. At least maybe the series, Grace Illustrated. So here's where we went all during this time, and I want to just remind us, and if you're visiting, if you wonder what... Churches are supposed to be doing when they gather together on Sunday is they take this time to come out of the world and put aside their other activities. It's to give attention to God, who they've come to know because of the grace of God found in the person of Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. And we're here not only to grow in that grace and learn more about it and live it out, but to also share it with others who have not yet entered into the grace that he has provided for us. Okay, so that's why we're here, and here's the subjects that we have covered over the weeks that have gone by. One, Grace Illustrated was the name of the very first sermon, and it was found in John chapter 8. 
In John chapter 8, there's a famous story where Jesus encounters a woman who was what? Nope. That's John chapter 3. Yes. They trapped her and brought her before Jesus. And according to the law of God, she deserved to be stoned to death. That was the Old Testament law. And in that context, we saw for the first time Jesus instructing so crystal clear that mercy triumphs over judgment. That mercy was extended. And here's the point. We say, yeah, she did a terrible thing. She's us. Do you all get it? She is me. She's you. She's us. We're all in the same boat. We deserve punishment. We deserve judgment. But God, through Jesus, extends us mercy. So you might look that story up. It's a great story, and it's one of those classic illustrations of the mercy and grace of God. Mercy triumph over judgment because Jesus paid for our sins in our place. Mercy can be given to this person and given to this person without God violating his righteous nature. He's still just. So that was the first one. And what we learned from that, let's move uh, to the next screen. Grace, according to Millard Erickson, and I've, I've quoted this before, means that God deals with his people not on the basis of their merit or worthiness, not on the basis of what they, what? Deserve, but simply according to their need. In other words, he deals with his people on the basis of his goodness and generosity. And he can do that while still remaining just because the penalty for your sins and mine has been paid. Everybody got that? Clear enough? God deals with us not on the basis of what we deserve. I think I might have used that uh, illustration from my past I was mentored by a guy that ended up being a New York City police officer for seven or eight years. He got born again early on, and boy, did he have adventures to tell me about. But one of them, he was in a church. It's actually our sister church down in, in, in Flushing, New York, and uh, heard some man getting up one night in prayer meeting complaining, Lord, you know I don't deserve to be taught that way or talked to that way and treated that way. Who do these people think they are being mean to me? Blah, blah, blah. And some bold prayer warrior stood up and said, No, sir, why don't you be quiet? The only thing you deserve is to die and go to hell. Oh, we shouldn't talk like that. And then you shouldn't be rude. But that's what we deserve left to ourselves unless we have cast ourselves upon the mercy of God who rescues us. And wonderful name it is, the name of Jesus, who offers grace freely to everyone who will come, whosoever will may come. Am I rational so far, everybody understanding what I'm saying? I'm just being sure. I appreciate your uh, support, which brings us to the next one, child support. It wasn't, about, it wasn't about broken marriages. It was about God's support of his people. And so we looked at Hebrews chapter 4 where we have this wonderful encouragement. Since we have this great high priest, let us draw near with confidence. Remember that? Let us draw near. There's an invitation to draw near because he is committed to us. In fact, When we looked at that message, we were reminded that in the Old Testament, the priest 
would wear the names of all the children of Israel tribes, right? All the tribes of the sons of Israel. When he went into the presence of God, figuratively, he was bearing up all of God's people before God. Give us mercy, Lord. Remember us according to your mercy. We're bringing sacrifices today so that we can have atonement for our sin. Treat us with mercy, and he would bear up all the names of the children of God. That's a picture of our great high priest who's got your name on his shoulders if you belong to him. Aren't you glad? Yes. It's kind of cool, right? So the gospel clearly taught to us in that text is that God is for us and wants to support us. And I think it's often a fundamental place we get stuck as brothers and sisters. We accept Christ and we still think that there's something we need to do to be accepted in the beloved. There's nothing else you need to do except trust in Jesus as your Savior. And by the way, if you're really born again, you start to change. It's automatic. But it's not the rate of change that is going to secure your salvation. It's the absolute commitment of God to you through the person of Jesus Christ. Here's a passage I I, uh, quoted from Tim Keller. Let's put that up. In the view of the gospel, Tim Keller in his book, The Prodigal God, I love it. I recommend it. If you haven't read it, you should. In the view of the true gospel, not a false gospel, everyone is wrong. I don't like the way you're talking to me this morning, Pastor John. I don't like to have to say it. Everyone is wrong. I was thinking maybe an amen, but that's okay. But but I'll take it. Everyone is wrong. Everyone is loved. Everyone. Even those who turn their back on him. He loves them, but there is a catch. (laughs) Everyone is called to recognize this and change. Maybe the first step of change is, I could have had a V8. I'm on the wrong path. This Jesus died for me. He's not just a make-believe. He's not just a little statue on a cross in some churches, you know, that we do this when we look at. He's actually my Savior. He died for my sins. Maybe that's the first step toward change you need to take. By the way, I say this every week. I'm encouraging you. You should not come here, wonder, and leave when you can end up knowing for sure that Jesus died for you and that His forgiveness is yours. That what he did for you is in your bank account. So I just encourage you, come forward after church, seek one of us out. We'd be glad to pray with you, show you in the scripture how you can know. Not just because you have a feeling, but because God has made these promises that you can rely on. Okay. In, his, in its view, everyone's wrong, everyone's love, but everyone is called to recognize this and change. And if I'm in Christ, then I'm on the journey of continual transformation. doesn't matter how fast or how slow. I don't mind if you're going a little bit slow at it. And I don't mind if you're running fast as long as you don't get ahead of me. The only thing I look for in a person who's really come to faith is that they are moving forward rather than backwards. So, that was child support. This review and this little quizito is going to take a while. Here we go. 
Next one was to the uttermost. Hebrews chapter 7. That's language out of the old King James Version. He is able to save to the uttermost those who have come to rest in him, right? He is able to save to the uttermost. That means forever, completely, in every way. Do you realize you will be rescued body, soul, mind, spirit, everything will be saved to the uttermost. Isn't that awesome? He's going to recycle your body. Thank God he's going to recycle my mind. <laughs> my emotions, everything's going to get recycled, right? It's going to get uh, uh, some maybe collectors. <laughs> the next one, number four, was manifest kindness. God has illustrated all of this is about His illustrated grace to us. Manifest kindness was about Acts fourteen, His manifesting grace to the whole world. The fact that you got up this morning, the fact that the sun came up, well, sort of did this morning. The fact that there is food every year, the fact that there are rainy seasons so that crops grow, the fact that he shows kindness to all human beings, that he provides life. And most people want to live because life is a good thing and we know that. This is all a manifestation of his kindness to all human beings. Food, family, you know, community and families, that's a good thing. I mean, sometimes it hasn't been for some of us. I understand that. I can talk for an hour about that. But God has turned that around for me so that food, I like that, food, family, I like that. And all of the general goodness that he's provided for the human race, including general revelation that says there's a God in heaven who made all this. It's not an accident. All of that is manifest kindness. And then a great line, right? Scandalous grace. I think I stole a couple of titles here. There's one coming up. I think Scandalous Grace may be the title of something. Is it a song or anything? I'm not a music guy too much. I used to be. Huh? Is it a song, Scandalous Grace? Anyway, I didn't mark that as stolen, but it works. Why is it scandalous? 1 Corinthians 1 basically said this. Consider where you came from, brethren. Not many of us were aristocrats. Some of us think we are. Not many of us were high-powered politicians. Not many of us were among the top, what is it now, half a percent of wealth in the world. Not many of that. Most of the people who have responded to the gospel for the two, last 2,000 years have come out of the masses. Pretty insignificant people from some perspectives, but not from God's perspective. And so some of us have come out of really rough backgrounds. Think of the people that God has rescued. Who We, we, we saw the Walter Hoving home, right? Uh, you've heard my story, and there are other stories all around about God rescuing people that should not now be full of grace and maybe preaching the gospel. Who are they? It's scandalous. How can God, who is holy and way up there, put up with all of this because of the grace of God? The great leveler, right? The cross of Jesus is the great leveler. We're all at the same level. Whether you know it or not, that's where you are. We all come through the same door, and it's a low door, a narrow door, right? Jesus said, broad is the way that leads to destruction, narrow is the door that leads to life. Anybody remember that? 
We all come the same way. Scandalous grace that it can save messy people and nobodies and make them clean and somebody. It's awesome. I love that. I love that. Thank you. Yes, Pastor John. Okay. Incarnate grace. Grace incarnate. Let's guess what that's about. It was Christmas time. I had to preach that. John chapter 1, though, says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And later on in the chapter, we have all received from Him grace upon grace upon grace. Grace incarnate. It's in the person of Jesus. Our brother prayed earlier for the the, uh, offering, and we were praising him that Jesus is the way, right? He's the only way, and he's full of grace and truth, and he's the way to get the grace of God in your life and the gospel working in your life. Grace incarnate. Grace revisited. That was a review in January. That was a long time ago already. Yeah. Yeah. We even forgot it, right? 1 Kings chapter 2. This was kind of fun. Anybody remember what happened in 1 Kings chapter 2? Those of you who are behind in the Daily Bible, maybe you're right up to that now. You can tell us today. 1 Kings chapter 2. Solomon has been installed as king of Israel, the most spectacular king and kingdom that the earth had ever seen. Something happens in the second chapter. Some of you are cheating. I see you glancing through. How dare you read the Bible in church? What's that? Ooh, yeah, he didn't do it. He uh, he wasn't told to do it. He brought about justice. It was the story of Shimei, the man who cursed and swore at King David when he was on the run from his wayward son. And uh, he was saying all these rotten things, throwing rocks and dust and everything else. David, being a godly man, said, I'm not going to be vengeful. Maybe, maybe God told him to do this because I'm so miserable today. He may be right. Anybody ever been in that condition? Yeah, maybe I deserve this. Right? You ever feel that way? Maybe I deserve this. Later on, he realized, no, I didn't deserve that. That guy was sinning. So, Solomon, you're a wise man. Figure it out. Take care of him. He, said, he did, and what he did, here's, here's what here was the point of the whole story. He calls Shimei in, he said, remember what you did to my father? He was part of the rebellion, by the way. He, was, he, had, he had a vested interest in deposing David. You remember what you did? He goes, yeah. Here's the rules. This is like being on parole. Here's the rules. You set up house in Jerusalem and do not leave town. You can live out your days happy have a little garden, you know, do whatever you want. Watch TV, you know, Netflix. Just, just stay in town. A couple of years later, just like so many of us, we start getting cocky and lazy, right? His servant runs away. He goes, hey, surely the rule doesn't apply to me anymore, right? You ever had that thought? Oh, it can't mean that now. Yeah, it does. Out he goes, comes back, and the next thing. Did, didn't, weren't you told and didn't you agree with me that it was right, it was a good rule, I'll live by that rule rather than lose my life right now? Okay, this is on you. 
Here's the point. Here's the point. Shimei. I remember quoting, I don't have it with me, that there are sour Christians in the world who are angry with God because they haven't gotten what they thought they deserved from God. What do we really deserve? So staying at my house and watching Netflix, I should have been happy for the rest of my days. Do you follow what I'm saying? Never lose sight of the fact that the mercy of God, the grace of God through Jesus has rescued you from what you deserve, and what you deserve wasn't pretty. That's why we want to share the good news with other people. Grace Revisited. Beholding grace, number eight, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, where Paul says, we are looking at Jesus, we're beholding him face to face, that is spiritually, we're meditating on the person of Christ, and we are changed from glory to glory to glory. We're in a process of moving from more godly to godly to more godly, sanctified to more sanctified, growing, maturing. We're all in that process, and we already talked about that. Beholding grace. Then, here's a stolen title, The Grace Awakening. Charles Swindoll wrote the book, The Grace Awakening. I stole his title, and I'm proud of it. (laughs) Acts chapter 2 and chapter 3, especially 3. Seek the Lord that God may send season after season after season of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. We started a little series there. I took three weeks I couldn't possibly exhaust the subject in three weeks. I would need about three months, I think, to talk about the concept of the church in its healthy state, in in what we would call today a revived state. And I always avoid the word revival because people have all wrong ideas about that. You go past a church, they have a marquee, it says revival meetings. And they give you a date. As if you can set a date and tell the Holy Spirit to show up. But you can't. So trying to understand that, we took three weeks to uh, unpack it just a little bit. But Acts 3 and 2 were talking about the church being lively. They were devoting themselves to the apostles' doctrine and to prayer and to breaking of bread. Remember that? And the Lord was adding daily such as were being saved. That was chapter 2 of the book of Acts. There were seasons of refreshing. The planting of the church in Acts 2 was a major season of refreshing. The Moravian revival in the last millennium was a season of refreshing. The the Reformation was a season of refreshing. The Great Awakening in America was a season of refreshing. The revival in uh, Wales in the early 1900s was a season of refreshing. We're about due for a season of refreshing. Would love to see it on American soil, wouldn't you? And that doesn't mean that we get all our tax exemptions. That's not what we're talking about. People want revival in America so they can have, you know, whatever agenda. That's not what it's about. Maybe the next season of revival in America will be in the midst of persecution against the church. We're getting there. So... Just need to be clear that you separate loyalties and roots and all of those other things from the gospel. Okay? 
My loyalty is to Jesus above any nation, above any nation. If that sounds heretical to you, you need to reread your scripture. Am I an American? Do I love America? Yes. But Jesus is first. I know I just dabbled, right? Making trouble. That's my way. I was raised that way. I grew up in New York City. What do you want? So anyway, just kidding. I hope, I hope we get, I, I talk to people, I don't think they have that clear in their head. That Jesus is first. So that's why the early church had to stand against Rome. Every other way, Paul said, submit to the powers over you, by all means. Pray for your leaders that we can live a godly life. That's what he said. That's what we do. But there were times when they were said, swear that Caesar is God. Um, uh, hmm, um, hmm, uh. No. <laughs> and things didn't always go so well. The Grace Awakening, a dynamic survey. We simply talked out of Acts chapter 3 about the difference between regeneration, which is when you get born again, renewal, which is when you get born again again. They're stunned. They don't know what to make of that, right? Gene Bozick's laughing at me. How come? Born, yes. Born again again is when a Christian who's been stalled for a long time and his Christian life is boring, and that's the chart, and all of a sudden he has a, I could have had a V8 moment. And literally, if you read the prodigal God, he talks about some Christians when they experience that, it's really, I'll unpack that in a minute, it's, it's like being born again again. It's like, oh. Wow, all of a sudden I had another jump start. And I went from where I got, when I got saved, you know, I stopped drinking. Or I stopped smoking. I haven't stopped yet, but I'm trying to. And that's when I got born again. But now when this new thing happened, I stopped hating my father. That's literally was my born again again. I stopped hating. My anger level went from... You guys need some spiritual. Anyway, and then, and then the third thing beyond renewal is revival when the whole church starts to experience that kind of awakening. A whole congregation like this, all of a sudden, oh, we could have had a V8. Woo! If that happened, we'd be in a state of revival. And then it spills out into the world and people start getting born again. And that's what, again, again, no, they get born again for the first time after you get born again again. That's how that works. And uh, the last one on that was uh, Awakening Grace, Zechariah 8. Remember this? In those days, the prophet said, ten men will grab a hold of one Jew. He's talking about you. And say, take us to your God. We, we see the difference in your life. We see what's going on. How come you're blessed? How come you have peace in the midst of grief? How can that all be true? What's going on here? How come you're not giving yourself ulcers about the financial situation? Look at the stock market. Because they see something different. Ten men will lay hold of a Jew. By the way, I'm just going to add, this is where I stopped myself before. The born again again is really what many, many people in churches need. A crisis experience with the Holy Spirit. I've been interacting with people in the congregation about that. We know so little about this wonderful friend that has been given to us. 
I'm going to send you a better helper, another, another, not better, another similar, wasn't better, it was another of the same kind of helper who will lead you into all truth. I'm going to help you out. When I leave and go back to the Father, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. My brother Mike prayed this morning that I would be indwelled by the Spirit. God already answered that prayer before you even said it. Do you realize every... Yeah, but you're... I'm teasing him. Here's the deal. Are you... Anybody here got... Any, anybody here really ever get saved? No, like saved. That's not a trick question. Anybody here know that you're born again? You've had the sense that you're already indwelled by the Holy Spirit. Cannot unindwell. If you unindwell, you never had to dwell. Y'all with me? Is my ADD killing you all? Sorry. Okay, so... We're already indwelled. What we're asking for, Holy Spirit, fill us. Holy Spirit, empower us. Lead us, guide us. Let us be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Gesundheit. Paul says in Ephesians, be thou, it's a command, it's a continual present tense command. Be thou. Don't be drunk with wine. Oh, oh, by the way, the Bible means that. Don't be drunk with wine, ever. Be thou continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Be thou continually under the filling work. When you exhaust it, you breathe out because you were naughty. The normal Christian life who can sing all for Jesus that we started our service with in spirit and in truth says, Oh, Lord, I'm out of fellowship. I'm a little torqued. I'm going to come back. Forgive me for that. And they breathe back in the control of the Holy Spirit. And he will speak to you. And he will do that to you when you're going the wrong direction. Or you're trying to make a decision and you'll feel like, I want to buy that, but I have this check in my spirit. These are the normal experiences of the believer. So that's what that was about. Awakening grace. Now, number 12, grace offered, John 3 and 10. John 3, as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that everyone who looks to him, everyone who believes in him should have... Yeah, John 3, 16 is in that chapter, by the way, right? John chapter 3, 3, 16 is in there. <laughs> right there. And the other, the, other, uh, the, other, the other chapter is chapter 10. Chapter 10 is where Jesus says, I have come that they might have life and that they might have it. See how much Bible you people know? Yeah, you do, right? A thief comes to destroy and to kill. I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. That's what we need more of, the abundant part, right? Grace offered. 13, an owner's manual, stolen title, Apologies to Calvin Miller, an owner's manual for the unfinished soul. Hebrews 10 talks about don't neglect the gathering of yourselves together. Speak to one another. Challenge, irritate each other. That's in the best sense, right? To, to provoke one another to love and good deeds. That's not the language, but that's what chapter 10 was about. The means of grace. And the means of grace are the things you do that keep the Holy Spirit's activity rolling forward in your life. You cannot neglect the means of grace and think you're going to do well. Try neglecting the means of living. Stop breathing. 
don't eat. Don't drink any liquid for the next seven weeks. How well are you going to make out? You won't last that long. You know, with liquid, you've got to have water. Food, you can last. Somebody I know did 40 days, I think, and a couple of guys in the Bible. I once did seven. Seriously. Yeah, you can do that. But how long can you do that? You can't. You neglect the means of survival, you're going to die. You neglect the means of grace. So that's why I always say, you don't have to argue with real disciples. You don't have to argue with real disciples about reading their Bible, about their personal prayer life, about attending church. (gasps) Yes, about attending. I don't have to argue with a real disciple about that. I argue with non-disciples and rebellion people. They, They give me all the reasons why I'm wrong. Okay. I don't have to argue with them about giving or serving, or wanting to live for Jesus. I don't have to argue with a disciple. They're into that. Because they don't neglect the means of grace. So that was an owner's manual. 14, reconciling grace. 2 Corinthians 5, Paul says, Be reconciled to God. I appeal to you. Be reconciled to God. And by the way, when we're reconciled to God, the whole point of the Corinthian letters was that those churches would be reconciled to each other that Paul would have them reconciled to him. Here he was, God's apostle, and they were breaking fellowship with him for the dumbest reasons. And he's appealing to them. Be reconciled to God, and if you're reconciled to God, it's really hard not to end up reconciled with your brothers and sisters. Restoration grace, number 15. That was Easter. Talking about the resurrection, John chapter 5, the scripture revealed that all humans are going to be raised from the dead. Remember that? John chapter 5. And how awesome the resurrection body will be for those of us who are made in his likeness. He's raised from the dead. We get the same model. Only it's tweaked with the, uh, you know, the right, um, like decals, you know, an internal sound system and all. It's all customized for you. You guys don't have enough fun in the Christian, I don't you? You get what I'm saying? It's like we all get the same resurrection type body, but it's us. It's really us. Just like Jesus in his resurrection has the scars from the crucifixion. It's him. There's no question. Different person, but the same glorious restored body. Restoration grace. Then we talked about trophies of grace for a couple of weeks. We heard from Dave. We heard from the Walter Hoving home which was an awesome week, right? Those two weeks were great. I was actually nervous coming back because I thought I'd be boring after all that. And last week, thankfully, I don't think it was too boring. Um, We looked at trophies of grace in 2 Corinthians 2 because that's where it says he makes us follow in his parade of triumph like the Roman conquerors came back. But the difference is we're captives and happy to be his captives. I mean, who, who else would I rather serve? It's only in your, in your will, we sing. It's only in your will that I am free. So I'd rather be his slave than sin's slave or somebody else's slave. I'd rather be a servant of Jesus. Trophies of grace, 2 Corinthians 2. And then last week we looked at future grace, where the council in the chapter 15 of Acts had to sort their way through, not the gospel changing, but what changes? Culture changes. Not the gospel, culture. So they had to listen to each other. 
They had to submit to the word of God and then ask God for wisdom to know how do we work our way through this in a godly, reconciling fashion. Which, by the way, we're going to have to continually do as a church moving into the future. Have to. We're going to be challenged with things. How do we do this? How do we handle this part of the community that wants to come in? We've never had those kind of people in the church before. How are we going to do that? We listen to each other. We submit to the word of God because the gospel doesn't change. And then we ask him, give us wisdom how to navigate this. How do we make this work to honor God? How do we do it so that he is pleased? So that was it. Off you go. No, I'm kidding. I got a couple of things I want to mention, and then I'm going to ask somebody to come forward uh, to talk with us this morning. But let me just mention, uh, last week, as we talked about future grace, I've been thinking about where we're going together. Next month, we have our annual meeting. I want to vote some things in so we can keep pushing forward. We'll have other larger decisions to make, too. And um, I've been encouraged by seeing leaders stepping up to the plate, and I, I, I bragged on you last week, and I really do mean it. It's encouraging to me. Uh, this last week, we met, I met uh, first time for a while with the FNF as they work till 10 o'clock at night trying to tweak our budget, make it work. So, you know, it takes some work to make things happen behind the scenes. So when we do have leaders in place, encourage them, pray for them. Uh, you know, sometimes it's a forgotten job, sometimes it's uh, an unappreciated one, but what they do is important. And uh, so that's where we're going. And, and uh, Lord willing, we will add and lay out our, our, um, our leadership team with elders and a, and a council that I mentioned last week, where we'll have an environment where we don't let important dialogue slip through the cracks, but we actually hear from each other put ourselves under the word, and ask for wisdom how to go forward. Tonight we'll be praying. Hashtag pray for one. I know some of you are praying for people you know that are in the Lord, they're in the church or they're out of the church, they're, you know, they've fallen away or whatever. God bless you, keep doing that. Make them number two on your list. Number one, the whole point was to start looking toward those who don't know Jesus as best as you know. It's kind of fun, you know, ever since I, we put that hashtag up, there's doors opening. I'm like, what? You mean I might have to do something? Uh-oh, yeah. A long time ago, the ministry mapping team came here. This was before my tenure. Some of you have been here long enough to know that we went through that whole time that was hard. Things have improved since then, thanks be to God. But one of the prescriptions was this, a corporate... Um, Missional balance, this was one of the prescriptions. Let me just read it to you. Create a healthy balance between biblical inward and outward-focused ministry. By the way, the church is here to build up the saints. We're going to talk about that. You deserve to be built up. That's why we have church. Well, we have it to worship Jesus as well as to build up the saints. Create a healthy balance between inward and outward-focused ministry. Identify your community as your mission priority, whatever portion of that it might be. Develop a church culture that emphasizes every member as a missionary of the gospel. Oops. 
recast a vision for outreach, praying for God to move in the lives of the congregation and to act on that vision. We have to be, you know, that value takes twice as much effort to move forward because the powers of darkness are against it. The powers of darkness are against you getting that, that we look outward. I have received the grace of God. I'm not going to get what I deserve. I'm going to get what I don't deserve, which is going to be awesome. And other people need it as well. So, with that in mind, I'm just going to scan quickly through Rainer's document that I mentioned last week just to prime the pump that when we pray together tonight, and we'll do two weeks in a row so that we can get some momentum, that we pray into this resuscitation work of the church, right? What was the factors that Rainer saw in all the churches that he saw turn around from death back to life? A prolonged period of prayer. A covenant to forsake self. And I mentioned the crazy love reference because I guess one of those chapters says it ain't all about you. Right? A covenant to forsake self. A willingness to kill sacred cows. Ooh. And they do make great hamburgers. They often, people don't often see that they're sacred cows until their eyes are opened by a prolonged period of prayer. A commitment to see through the eyes of the outsider. Here's the most important one. I like it this way. Well, how does the person we want to reach like it? How do they understand what the gospel's all about? A commitment to see through the eyes of the outsider. As members continue to forsake self they begin to ask how the church is viewed from the perspective of the outsider. They may actually engage a person to visit their church and share their experience. It's amazing to see how this process transforms facilities, worship, greeters' ministry, children's ministry, just to name a few. An agreement to invite and connect. The church begins moving from inward to outward. How many people will I invite to come to my assembly? They say each month, I hashtag pray for one just for the year. Let's start there. Let's start there. A decision to move beyond negative naysayers. Are you willing to be part of the resuscitation of your church? Well, we're trying to move forward. And as we do, we're looking at leadership. And and Steve Atulis had the opportunity to give his story weeks back. And then some people said, you know, there are a lot of new people here who might not know our other candidate, and that's Gene Bozick. And so I'm going to ask Gene to come forward now. I'm, uh, I'm actually going to have him preach for the next two hours. <laughs> that was a joke. But uh, those of you who may not know, he's, I'll ask him actually to answer the questions. Uh, he, oh, yeah, you probably want to use that, right? There we go. You have a... Yeah. Yeah, I just backed up. I don't like backing up. So Gene, in the past, was uh, one of the elders here at Harmony, and then we had, I'm just, I'm going to set this stage, because we had an entire elder board walk off the job, which has all kinds of implications to me. I've been very careful not to be negative, but I don't see that as a good thing or a healthy thing. But one person came back. So that's part of the story that I want to talk about here. So, Gene, first of all, not everybody knows you, and there are new people here. So how long have you been at Harmony Baptist Church? 
Uh, we got here June of 1983. So how long is that? I don't do math. 35 years. 35 years. That's longer than me. Okay. A little bit. So you've been here a while. I want to, for those who don't, don't know, yes. this is my dear wife, Judy, right here. She has a cold and she can't talk, but <laughs> other than that, she's... Usually see her putting out coffee. Coffee, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, can I... Yeah. I got saved uh, March 10th, 1974. I got... We, we were in Illinois, and I got... Uh, the Lord spoke to me so clearly that um, I turned to Judy and I said, did you hear that? Um, I got I quit my job as an industrial engineer with Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company and uh, went to Moody Bible Institute and got some training. Uh, we got out here in 1983. So. Excellent. So there was a group that left, and then what made you come back? Um, Judy and I, you know, I, I was one of the elders who signed the letter that we resigned. Um, the first week, the first Sunday, I, I was way too beat up to go anywhere. Uh, I stayed home. Um, we both obviously stayed home. And then uh, the second Sunday, we went to... Uh, the church where the other elders were. And it was nice to see him and, you know, hugs and kisses all around and all that good stuff. But as we pulled out, um, both of us pretty much simultaneous said, I looked at Judy and I said, you know what? I'm not going back there. And uh, by the third week, I mean, this was a whole th two weeks, two Sundays we left, but by the third week we were back. Because we had, we truly believed that this is where God wanted us. It wasn't easy to do, but we, that's what God wanted us to do, so we were going to do what he wants. So I figured it might not be easy coming back, and, right. and then maybe some people helped you with that. Yes. Yeah. I, I wrote down three names. It doesn't mean that those are the three that were mostly were most impressive in my heart, in my mind. Um, the first one is Jay Luna. Um, Jay um, came to me and he, jeez, um, ah, sorry. Um, he came to me and talked to me about what went on at the the meeting back six years ago, and in such a way that was very powerful and meaningful to me. Um, and I was oh, just tremendously impressed and heartfelt. Uh, God bless you, Jay. That was, is and, and remains uh, the best I've ever heard in terms of just getting things right. Uh, the other person uh, that came to mind was Dean Lucas. Uh, I've worked with Dean, uh, and Dean has good ability in my view, a very good ability to um, not hold a grudge, which I find to be almost rare. Uh, <coughs> but uh, Dean came alongside and encouraged me. Uh, the other person, the third person would be Darlene Caldwell. Um, I wrote down, she knows me pretty well. 
Um, and she writes the most encouraging notes you've ever want to read. So if you've ever gotten a note from Darlene, you know what I'm talking about. Darlene used to be our secretary, yeah. so that's yeah, a little bit further back now. But that's yeah. okay. Thank you for sharing that. So you came back. You told me the people. Let me ask, since being back and since the last five years we've been working at trying to bring restoration to our church, how have you experienced growth? What do you see happening? Uh, the first thing we did, um, we had a solemn assembly, and I don't remember how long ago it was, but wow. almost six years ago. Uh, right after the ministry mapping team came in, we had a solemn assembly. And um, I used that opportunity to get everything that I could possibly think of and some things that I hadn't thought of uh, before the Lord in prayer and get them out and get them right. Um, that was very powerful for me. Uh, the other thing I've done more recently is um, I have opened myself to being more transparent. And I've, I've done this with two men in particular, one more in more detail than the other, but um, I'm the kind of person that up till that time that wanted to hold everything in and didn't want to let anything out. And um, that's, it's, it's not a good, healthy thing to do. It's very healthy to just, you know, get somebody you can trust and, and you know, grow together and, and pray together, and that's powerful. So I thought that was good. And the third thing I did, which uh, Pastor John never thought I would do it, but <clears throat> a year and a half ago I started karate. Uh, <laughs> I happen to be the, uh, I'm the oldest person in our group by 13 months. He would be the second oldest. <laughs> That's true. Uh, so, you know, it's like, uh, the, the fascinating thing about it is I, I told Pastor, I said, Look, I'm not athletic, I'm not that coordinated, I'm a slow learner. I was being honest. Um, he said, that's fine. The neat thing is that you get judged on how you progress, not on how somebody who's a, a great natural whiz can do it. It's like I get judged on how I'm doing from one month to the next, and that's how you progress. And, you know, that's got application for the church, I think. Yeah, it does. Uh, so, at any rate, those are the things. I also remember you taught a class on forgiveness that had a big impact on you, yes, according to what a, other people said. Yeah. I did a Bible study at uh, Jim and, and Bev Bays' house. And uh, Jim, in particular, wanted asked me to do the Bible study. And uh, that was very powerful, too. You're right. I didn't yeah. write that one. Very down. cool. You. Yeah. You bet. So, here's, the, here's my question. From your perspective, how do you think... Harmony's doing. You're still here. Yes. You're putting up with me. Yeah. Amen. Even in karate. Yes. Well, I... I <laughs> Sorry. The things that I think... Uh, the thing I thought of right away with that question is, how is Harmony doing? I thought of Pastor John and Sherry, Derek, uh, Tim, and the Red Sox fan, David. 
I just, I'm very tremendously encouraged by uh, the leadership we have in the pastoral staff. Um, I got to say, I said this in my Bible studies, and uh, if you've been here for a while and you've heard these messages, if you can walk out the door and, and never be convicted, never be encouraged, never be challenged, I got to say there's something wrong, frankly. I mean, this is powerful stuff that's coming out, and, and God has blessed and anointed them, and I think that's great. Uh, there's also, I think it's obvious, but there's a new sense of energy and life and, and desire to move forward. And I think that is very positive. Uh, it's something that we desperately need. So. Okay, I only have one more question. Sir? You have stuff that you wanted to just share and encourage. We may go over just a couple of minutes, but I think it will be worth it. And that is, um, is there anything that you're concerned about? And um, I think it, you're going to speak into, let me say it so I can get out of your way and let you just finish this, and then I'll close in prayer. Any exhortation or encouragement for the church? And uh, I've been thinking about, you know, churches like to have a tagline, a, a mission, vision type of thing. And, and the words that came to me a while back that I was praying about harmony, I would love to see, we are going to look at transformation, change of our, even our name, because we're trying to reach people from outside Harmony Ministries. If we do something like that, what would our tagline be? The first part of it should be speaking life. Mm -hmm. Speaking life. Whether inside or outside the church, we should be speaking life. And we've been historically a little stuck on that. So I know that was on your heart. I'm going to ask yeah. you to share what else is on your heart, and then okay. we'll close in prayer together. Um, <clears throat> In the outline today, the, the last part of it was in Galatians 5. And Galatians 5 reads, You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. I, you know, the way I see it is, and I, I speak because I've been guilty of this in the past, but we can choose to bite and devour each other, or we can choose to move forward in, in the Spirit. Um, a very powerful verse is at the end of... Uh, 1 Corinthians in chapter 16, Paul says, For a wide door for effective service has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. And immediately the Lord just drew me to that verse because I believe that there's a wide door for effective service open for harmony. And the other side of the coin is still true that there are many adversaries. So we can, uh, Ephesians 4 talks about laying aside the old nature, 
putting on the new nature, walking in the spirit. Um, pastors mentioned in the past, um, everybody rowing in the same direction. Uh, those are just very simple graphic illustrations. Uh, you know, I wrote down a bunch of stuff. I'm not going to go over them because you all know what what our weaknesses are. And you've been those of you who've been here a while, you know where we stumbled and where we need to move forward. Um, I think it's just like when you're reading the, the book of Deuteronomy, it says, if you do this, you're going to be blessed. If you do this, you're going to get something else. <laughs> so that's where we are. Um, we're at the position where we have an opportunity to do and follow the Lord and move forward. As Pastor said earlier, um, you know, it's going to be uncomfortable. I'm, you know, I'm pretty, I'm very conservative. Uh, uh, but even for me, I mean, I've changed a lot. Uh, I've grown a lot. And uh, I just, I want to see us move forward in, in the grace of God. The other thing, the last thing I would say was, if you don't have a copy of the nine rules of respect, you need to get one. Because if we follow this, we'll be a lot more healthy, and we won't fall into the traps we've fallen in in the past. Okay? Thank you. I have a sermon in there somewhere. (laughs) Thank you, bro. You bet, buddy. Thank you. Harmony, speaking life. Amen? Hey, you did really good. We're on time. Let's stand together. So we want to press into the future together. Let's listen to the Spirit. Let's learn to speak life and impart life. In the name of Jesus, God, we stand before you. We acknowledge, apart from you, we can accomplish nothing. All kinds of things. We can have hobbies. We can build buildings. We can do all kinds of things. But as far as the advancing of the kingdom and the transformation of lives, we got to have you helping us. We have to. So, Lord, today we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would move among us, that, uh, Lord, we who are wrestling, and I know there are those in the room wrestling with you, just like Jacob had to wrestle, that, Lord, we wouldn't quit the wrestling. We wouldn't say, no, I need a break. We would let you wrestle with us, even if it means that our hip gets out of joint. Because as we were reminded earlier in prayer, once he was touched in the hip and he had a limp, he was marked by the finger of God from that day forward. We need to be marked by your finger. We pray for help here. Lord, put your angels around your people and guard us Let us fulfill what you have for us. In the great name of Jesus, we pray and all of God's people said, amen and amen. God bless and have a wonderful day.